we'll be in 2 Corinthians 9 for the majority. So uh, for the majority of the time, that's where you will need to be. Uh, I'm actually going to read for us um, at the beginning and the end here, uh, the very be- uh, beginning of 1 Corinthians. So the book of uh, 2 Corinthians comes, you know, in part with, uh, with 1 Corinthians. It's all one idea. It's a one letter to the Corinthian church and then a follow-up letter. And so I thought that I'd read kind of the, uh, the, the driving thought here for the book of 1 and 2 Corinthians uh, for us today. So uh, if you are able to, uh, physically able to, I'd ask that you stand as we hear how God has revealed himself uh, here in, the, in 1 Corinthians as we prepare our hearts I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him, in all speech and all knowledge, even as a testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Uh, giving, like many things we do uh, as Christians, is a formative habit. I'll explain this a bit, but it is a formative habit. Uh, it's like um, other things we do that are formative habits. Um, workouts, drills, flashcards, scales, arpeggios, um, Anything that's this kind of repetitive thing we do to get better at something. Uh, there's something more than just getting better at it. It's conditioning us to it as well, that it becomes not, not simply a, a something that we do and we've done many times, but something that we just do without thinking. Uh, this is what giving uh, is designed to be for the Christian. It is a formative habit. The danger, though, in giving is when it becomes uh, as root, as mundane, as thoughtless as paying the bills. I don't know if paying the bills is really a habit, but uh, sometimes it feels like it, uh, a bad habit. Uh, This is especially dangerous or deformative for the Christian because uh, when giving uh, is reduced to a transaction, it, it goes from this idea that there's something meaningful in giving the gift to just, or just have a transaction. I'm obligated to you know, share this resource with that person or to share it with God, and we just become business exchange partners here. Now, it's a very subtle thing here, and I don't think this is the way that we always think about our, our gifts or our, our giving or our finances or our resources. But I want to be especially careful when talking about giving because sometimes we get bored with giving. It just becomes a thing that we do. It's something that, that we do at church. You come, and one of the things we do in the service is we pass the plate, and we just continue on. And when it becomes a boring task, when piano becomes a boring task, and we don't delight in music the way that we should. Uh, when, 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 our, when our sports team, uh, when our practices, when our drills, when our workouts, when they just become a boring thing, we don't delight in the joy of the game. But so, so also, when we, when we get bored with our Christian practices, when they're just things that we do, so also we miss out on what their intended effect is. is not simply to uh, be joyful in it, but to create more joy as we participate in it. This is what I mean by it is a formative act. In a, a really crazy phrase here that, that's helpful is, in the form, the former is form. So that's Weird way to say that. Uh, when we create something in the form, we create something, a form of something, in that form, 
the worship that we are doing today, the songs we are singing today, that's something we are creating. But in that, the former, the person who is creating, is also shaped by what they've created. Today, we're all here together participating in a very unique way that all of us will not be here in the same way, sitting in the same spots with the same thoughts and the same words and the same sounds and the same temperature and all those things. We are creating something unique today here in the flesh. We're singing songs. We're lighting candles. We're talking about deacons. We're praying for deacons. We're doing something that's an act of worship. And so we're creating something, the form. But in doing this, we are also formed to want to do this. We are formed in how to do this. That's why we're very careful when we introduce things like the confession or the advent wreath or, or, or the Lord's Supper because we want to make sure that we're being formed the right way. If we just do giving in a way that's very boring or very obligatory, it's going to change us. It's going to form us to still do it, but to do it in a wrong way. And God isn't so much concerned that we just check the box of everything that we're doing. He cares about the heart. He cares about why we're doing these things. Now, why do we go off so far onto this uh, before we even, you know, jump in here? Because I think in the second letter, uh, in, especially in this chapter here, uh, 2 Corinthians 9 is where we'll, where we'll be, that, that Paul writes to the church of God that is at Corinth. So he's writing to a people like us at Corinth, but he's also writing to all the saints who are in the whole of Achaia, which is the beginning of this book. So we know who he's writing to, He's urging them, though, to a generous readiness from their sufficiency in Christ that brings a thanksgiving, that brings thanksgiving to God. He's saying, don't get bored with this. Don't not think about this. Don't just, don't just say one thing and, and then just give your uh, obli- uh, obligatory gift. The heart must be in this. And how do we do this? We do this by considering what great abundance God has in us, what great, great abundance Christ has given us. We, we, we do this in considering what our real sufficiency is, not just that we can pay the bills, but that we are sufficiently worthy as righteous ones before God, and that compels us to something different. So the urge that I would give you today is the same that Paul gives to the Corinthian church, is because believers have been made righteous through faith in Jesus Christ, we can confidently and thankfully ready ourselves to share God's gifts, because we have been made righteous through faith in Jesus Christ, we can confidently and thankfully ready ourselves to share God's gifts. I'm really going to look at this through three different ways as we walk through the text. Uh, The first one here, you'll see on the screen, uh, point one is ready givers. It speaks to the idea of readiness. So what are ready givers? Uh, Point two uh, for note takers is uh, supplied givers. And then a point three is thankful givers. Ready givers, Supplied givers and thankful givers. I think it's pretty simple, and I hope this is very practical for us today. So let's read this. Uh, first, uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 1 through 5. I'm actually, just for sake of time, going to summarize it a bit, but you can follow along if you're in the ESV. It'll be pretty similar to what you're reading. Now it is uh, superfluous for me to write to you about the ministry of the saints, for I know your readiness, but I am sending the brothers so that you may be ready as I said you would be. Otherwise... If we find that you are not ready, it would be, uh, we would be humiliated for being so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead to you and arrange in advance for the gift you have promised so that it may be ready as a willing gift, not as an exaction. To really sum it up even more than I just did, Paul says here, I write to you so that your gift will be ready as a willing offering. That's his, that's his reason why he's writing. 
This comes at the kind of latter half of the book, so he's already talked a lot about Christ and a lot about their interaction and a lot about, you know, what's going on, and he's saying, now what are we going to do with this? He says, I'm writing to you so that your gift is ready, and I think that's so odd. Why would you say that? So So that your gift is ready, so that we're not embarrassed by this. I think that there are two things going on here with this idea of readiness. Readiness pops a lot. Uh, readiness is, is, is in this uh, text quite a bit. He says, uh, I, think, I, think it w- I think it would be silly for me to write to you about the ministry of the saints because I know of your readiness. He says, but I'm sending this to you so that you may be ready. Otherwise, that if you're not ready, then we're going to be humiliated because we said that you were a people who were Ready. So I thought it would be necessary to go on and urge you to be ready. This idea, this word readiness here, it, uh, it, it means something uh, more than just we're ready to go. Uh, it is an exceptional interest of being of service. That's what it means here, this idea of readiness. An exceptional interest of being of service. And you probably know someone like that. You're probably humbled by somebody like that. That's always saying, how can I help? How can I help? What can I do? Uh, Clint was up here. We had him up here a couple times uh, for, for, for two different reasons. He's one of those guys that's ready all the time. What can I do? How can I help? How can I make this better? How can I ease your role? How can I help the, the church here? Many of our deacons are always asking me those kind of questions, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm so blessed by it. Many of you have asked that. Uh, how, can we help with, how can we help with your kids? How can we give you guys a date night? How can we, you know, this or that? Uh, the readiness is there. Those, those, are, those are ways of being ready. We saw a couple weeks ago, you know, uh, Matt Eckert, he, he said, hey, we need some help. And there was a readiness. And people said, hey, how can we help? We want to help. We've been thinking about this. You've given us an outlet to the help. I just got an update this morning when he walked in. Help was abundant. That's incredible. I'm humbled to see how much readiness there is at Parkview's North Campus here. I've mentioned the deacons, but also the, the Sunday volunteers. This idea of, of helping, being of service. I really like feel a culture of this readiness here. And it's fun to be able to preach to that and say, nice job. Uh, Sunday volunteers. I think we have an average over the last quarter. Uh, what are the numbers? I think an average over the last quarter, our attendance is around 125 on a Sunday morning. Um, and, uh, and we have right now, I think, scheduled over 90 volunteers. That's a really amazing percentage of volunteers for regular attenders. There's a readiness. How can I help is a thing that we do here. Uh, it's really fun to ask people, hey, you want to be a deacon? Because there's a readiness to be that. There's a consideration of that. And there's a culture where you can see this is really easy to help out. Uh, one of the things that the staff and I, we, we've been talking about this for a couple of weeks and preparing for it is, is on, uh, on December 22nd. So not this week or next week, but the week after that, the 22nd. Uh, we want, we, if you are serving, if you're actively serving or you have kids who are serving, uh, bring them in, I, I think 945, just before the service. We want to treat you guys. To, we have some thank you cards that we're writing to, to all the volunteers. We have uh, some treats that we'll have out there. So we just kind of want you to come and just give a formal thank you because we are overwhelmed as a staff by how ready you guys are to giving. And so it's fun for me to read this here. And Paul is speaking to the Corinthians and I'm saying, yeah, it's North Campus right there. We got some readiness on us. But he goes a little bit further than this because he's, because he's not just saying, you're ready. There, there's more to this. Let's, let's, read, uh, let's read here uh, back. I've got it here on a slide. Uh, 2 Corinthians 
8, if you go back a chapter, 2 Corinthians 8, 10 through 12, this is kind of what he's already talked about regarding readiness, which I think is really helpful for us today. Uh, Verse 10, and in this matter, I give my judgment. This benefits you who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it. I love it that, that there isn't just simply doing the work, there is also a desire to do the work. So now finishing it as well, so that, you, uh, so that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. Now that's awesome as well. He says, so that your readiness, you're ready to do this, that you're not just sitting there saying, we're ready, we're ready, we're ready, but that you're actually doing something as well. God, just give me an opportunity, I'm ready. God, give me an opportunity, I'm ready. Well, you may have just been praying through a lot of the opportunities that are there. I'm not saying don't pray for it, I'm also saying, Go do it, because that's what Paul's saying. And we see that often, but I don't want to say, hey, we're, we're good. Keep going. Keep looking for those opportunities and then take them. Verse 12, for if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. So readiness is an exceptional interest of being of service, but also we see that readiness is an ongoing quest. It's an ongoing adventure. It's an ongoing looking for that opportunity. And I think the two things that really stick out to me in in the text that's on the screen there is match your readiness with your completing it and match your readiness uh, with your ability. So I really want to think through this. I want to think through this. This is kind of, uh, this sermon is, is a lot more like a workshop than it is a sermon. So here is where it gets interactive. Here is where I'm inviting you to think through this. I really think what he's, what he's telling us in this idea of readiness is not to say, oh, they're ready and some people are ready, but to actually consider how we might be ready, how we might be better ready for opportunities when they arise. Now, let's, let's think about this a little practically. I feel like there are areas that we, we need to define. So I'm going to give just kind of an overview of some areas where their readiness might be available. And then you think, where do I need to do this? I, I really want you to be thinking about this in a convicted way that you work on at least something here. So there's obvious money. Uh, are, are, are you ready to give money? I think last week, Sheldon did a fantastic job talking about giving, the Macedonian heart and giving, and giving abundantly. But it's hard to give if you don't have the budget ready to give. Uh, it's easy to let go of money if you've said, hey, we're going to name, this is for God. This percentage is for God. This is budgeted there. but to be ready in your heart that whenever something comes, you may let go of what you have. There's something more than just the immediate response that's there. So here's an area, money. Are you ready to give? How might you budget to give? I think in the, in the Connect card, there's, there's an advertisement uh, for uh, coming up uh, is financial peace. Uh, financial peace is fantastic. If you haven't gone through it, it's just it's mind-blowing how, how, how good it is to think through um, money that way. And I think what Dave Ramsey always says is live like no one else so you can give like no one else. This whole thing is be prepared, like have the readiness here, and you can actually do things to be ready. So I've gone overboard with that one. Time is another one. Time is one. We are busy people, and oftentimes we have to say no to things because we have a scheduling conflict. What if we were people who, who were devoted to no scheduling conflicts? What if we were a people who, who really said no up front because we were, we, we were leaving space 
to be ready to give time, when someone needs to stop by, when we, when we sense that someone's hurting and we actually need to pause and slow down and be with them, rather than make sure we get to the next thing on time. What if our, our, our kid, how many times you have a kid freak out and you're thinking, we got to get moving. I know this isn't fun. Get in the car. Uh, because we're not budgeting time sometimes. For that. I mean, sometimes it's just a kid being a kid, but, uh, but we, we don't do that. How about attention? We don't budget our attention very well. We don't have a readiness for attention. I don't know how many times I'm coloring with my kids, and I'm not actually coloring. I'm thinking through the sermon outline. Uh, how about this one? Experience or wisdom? That one's, that one's interesting. Uh, is oftentimes we learn things. We get better at certain skills, but we never think to share that. We ask a bunch of people how to get better, but we never become that person who offers that experience. And we could really help a lot of ways, uh, as simple ways. Help, with, help teach plumbing. Help teach budgeting. Help teach parenting. Help teach things that you would naturally do because you had to do. You actually have a resource that you've been given that you maybe not, may not have defined. Uh, how about skills in your profession? Not simply do your job for money, but do your job to make your job better. Be a doctor so that the medical, uh, the medical world is better. Be a pastor or preacher so that preaching is better. Be a mom at home so that the whole idea of mother is big and robust and wonderful for the next generation. Be whatever you are so that it is better. What if we budgeted more effort in our job to make our jobs glorifying to God by being excellent? Uh, your network. You've been given people that you know. And here in Iowa, if you were born here or have lived here for a while, you do not get the Dutch reformists as much. Man, we are cold people. We do not let people into our network very fast. Like We could, we could actually help out this way. Uh, we could extend that, be more hospitable uh, in that way. Uh, network is one thing that you've been given. Uh, space. Here's a great one. Space. Host a community group. You don't have to lead the group. You can host the group. I know one of our groups does it that way. They have hosts, and then there's a leader that jumps in to lead the group. You can provide that. Uh, we'll, we'll kick off this uh, the Tin Roos potluck in January, but then Feb February, March, we're looking at potlucks in homes. We'll give you an opportunity to sign up for that. Oh, it's so great to have people in your home and, and break down those walls. It's, uh, you know, the community doesn't stop at your, at your, at your um, uh, garage door, which in North Liberty is always the first thing to the street. I don't know why. The, uh, uh, and then there's also, you know, opportunities like things like safe families. Uh, that's a place where you just bring people right in to your home. Uh, and then maybe your voice or your clout. You may have a voice uh, in an area uh, with your kids, uh, with, your, uh, with your friends, with your uh, coworkers, with wherever it is. Use it well. Steward it well for the glory of God. These are a whole bunch of areas. I hope that this is clicking with, with, with some of you so that it's giving you some thoughts here. I think we need to be more creative in our giving. Money is a big thing. Money is a, is a huge thing. Money is a thing that we have to, it's, it's one of the most tangible ways to physically let go of something and learn that we can let go and God supplies. But there are a whole bunch of other things that we can give. I feel like I've got so many deadlines, I can't give up all my time, but I find that when I actually pause my, my thoughts are clearer, and the work is faster because I've actually rested. And I'm not saying that that's a, a formula that we always have to hold God to, but I found in my own experience that God is very abundant in honoring that time, in supplying more time or more 
productivity than I'd ever thought. And I think that that's at an individual area, but we are a church. We're doing something together. There is a corporate aspect to this as well, because this is written to a church, a, a group of people, an organization uh, of, of, of people. And so church stewardship, church budgeting, term, church calendars, church uh, whatever it is, we, we can all contribute to this. We can all speak to this. We can all be a part of it. We may not be designing some of the stuff, but we can definitely feed into it and help uh, to understand uh, how we can better uh, create rhythms and habits that are life-giving and good and meaningful for us. Simplify what we're doing. Be intentional with each of our activities. Uh, you could ask your paid staff to do this, but I'm not sure that's the most helpful. I mean, sure, we'll do it. I'm not saying I just want you guys to do my job. But there's a richness. Uh, one, of my, one of my professors always said, all of us are smarter than any of us. And I feel like that's the beauty of congregationalism, that we get together and we talk freely and openly to understand what are we doing? Where are we going? How do we need to go in the days ahead? So one of the practical things you can do, because you may not be you know, a paid staff here. Uh, what do I do then? I'm sitting in the pew. Pray for the elders. Pray for the staffs. Pray for the, uh, the deacons, the pastors, as, uh, as we are you know, in charge of the budget, allocating, spending, and reporting our resources. That's, that's, that's money, that's gifting, that's skills, that's people and personnel, that's space, all of those things. We have to make those decisions all the time and we need your prayers for that. We also need your feedback on that as well. We do well when all the parts are working together, and one of your roles in this is to prayerfully and thoughtfully be in conversation with us. Parkview has a great potential to be a voice of revival in Johnson County. Let us thoughtfully, prayerfully take steps to make our church ready and then to match our desire by completing it out of what we have. So that's the first point there. Uh, the next ones are going to be a little bit quicker. Um, so that is a, uh, that is a prepared, uh, ready giver. Uh, the next point here is in verses 6 through 10, a supplied giver. So we can read here, uh, supplied giver, starting in verse 6. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give, as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things uh, at all times, you may abound in every good work. I want to hone in on this word, sufficiency. Because there are two ways that Paul uses the word sufficiency. And it can mean, you know, two different things just in, you know, our everyday language as well. Uh, there's one way that he, he, he refers to sufficiency, and that's kind of that worthiness. Have you met the, the prerequisites? Or have you met the criteria? Are you worthy? Uh, are you sufficient to do this thing? Uh, we, we look at this uh, maybe at elders and deacons. Uh, there's a qualification for elders and deacons, and, and if they've met those, then they are sufficient, more or less, just in the example. Uh, they are sufficient for serving that role. And so there's this idea that have you, have you met that um, and interestingly enough, he does use this, uh, this language here. In 2 Corinthians 3, 4 through 6, he's already used this, this idea of sufficiency. He says, Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. 
Not that we are sufficient, that's, that's that use of the word, uh, sufficient, worthy in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency, our worth, is from God, who has made us sufficient, or worthy, to be ministers of a new co- covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit delivers. What's he talking about here? That's, that's some really churchy language there in those verses. What's he talking about? He's talking about our worth before God. I think there's a, there's a big problem we have if we think of giving, of anything, especially of money, as something that is an act toward salvation. Sometimes we're very guilt-tripped into this, and not by it, what anyone says, but because we just feel like, oh, I didn't give to my church, I'm probably not a Christian. If you think that thought, you are associating the idea of giving of anything to your salvation. You could be a Christian who just doesn't give. That's Weird because it doesn't seem like it makes sense in here, but if you're questioning whether you have faith in Christ because of your giving, you're on this, this, that's not a way that we talk about this. But I think sometimes we think that as a church as well, that everybody here must be giving. It's a good thing to be giving. It's not necessary for your salvation. Does that make sense? I I don't want to be like, (laughs) mess this one up here. He's saying you are not sufficient before God because of what you gave. You're not sufficient uh, by anything that you have done, it is God who has made you sufficient to be ministers of the new covenant. What he's saying here is you're only worthy before God because Christ has made you worthy. You're only worthy before God. You're only righteous before God because on the cross, through your faith, Christ's righteousness was yours. So, He's really separating this up a few chapters ahead of of this text here. He's saying that your sufficiency before God, your worthiness, your ability to go before God when you die, when Christ returns, that's all on Christ through your faith. Then he kind of turns to now in our text here to talk about a different kind of sufficiency. He says, leading up to this in 2 Corinthians 8, 9, for you know the grace of of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. There is the sufficiency that we have in Christ. There is the salvation we have in Christ through faith. So then he goes on into this next next section here. Let's read verse 8 again. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having a sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Here is a different word for sufficiency. Here is a different use for sufficiency. The word here is two parts, self and sufficient. It actually means self-sufficiency. That God has allowed you to become self-sufficient in some area, some resource, maybe not wealth, Maybe not, you know, some other thing. Maybe not in your time. Whatever it would be. He has given you the resources to a level in certain areas to be self-sufficient so that you might use that. Out of that, you might flow. You, because you were prepared, because you were ready, you now have this potential energy to go. I want to draw that out here. Uh, So uh, on the screen, you will find uh, my really good uh, art skills, as you have maybe seen before. Um, there's this idea of potential energy. I'm bringing you guys back. Some of you may have bad memories of, uh, of, uh, of a physics class, but here we go. So here it is. There's our curve, right? Uh, and I guess I got a little flourish there. Uh, let's, try that one. Uh, let's try that one again. 
Uh, okay, so we've got potential energy. You have this kinetic energy. Is You put the energy in. You have this readiness that happens, right? That, that you're, you're budgeting, your time, your, 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 your money, your, your resources, whatever it is. You have this kinetic energy that goes out. So that's then when it flows. Right here is what he's talking about. The top of the hill. You have this potential. You have this readiness. And he's saying, at this point, you have this self-sufficiency. You can go because you got your guns loaded. You, you, you got your sights set. You, you, you're ready to go. You're, you're discerning. You're at the top here, and you're ready to go. Now, he's not saying you're going to be the richest person in the world. He's just saying that when you have a heart of readiness, it builds you to this spot where you can look and see the potential, and you start to hear differently. And if you've ever been here, if you've ever, if you've ever done well in, in putting the effort in to be ready, uh, you, you can affirm that the Spirit nudges in ways that you're like, wait, wait, where did that come from? That person would need help. This would be good. Oh, in that phone call, it seems more like babysitting is what was needed, some of my time, and then they could go and get the work done. You know, I think a lot of times, you know, when, when, some, when we have, you know, uh, a, a family member, you know, dies, a lot of times, you know, food comes in. Oh, my goodness, so much food, um, which is good. But sometimes just the space to just go away and grieve on your own is even more helpful. I think sometimes we get into these, these, these easy hallmark ways of, of, of just input-output, that's how we're going to be generous to each other. Or input-output, that's how we're going to give to our church. We're either going to volunteer on the Sunday morning things, or we're going to give in the plate, or we're going to do both. And I want to say those are both very, very good things. But there's a whole area of creativity that we've not accessed that God has given us. And it's incredible. Here are a list of some of those that I see regularly. Dan Dickel. My goodness, if you've not met this man, you need to meet this man. He's incredible. Uh, he had an interaction when he was, uh, when he was uh, I don't know, playing football with a guy named Chuck Colson. Uh, uh, that's who gets that uh, interaction. Chuck Colson was in prison, started prison ministry. Dan Dickel now, on Sunday mornings, goes and helps out at the, at the prison. He's also now gone to the, uh, the transitional home to, 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 to land people back into, um, into the community. And he just called me a couple, you know, a couple weeks ago and said, hey, can we do a Bible study here on Thursdays? What? Okay. Uh, so this is creative. He had an interaction. It convicted him to something. He's now putting work into it. What is he doing? He knows how to read the Bible. He's interacting with people that have been in prison, so he's not scared of that. And he has a church that says, hey, we want people to know the Bible. And he says, I feel like potential energy. Let's go. And so if that's something you would want to do, Thursdays, uh, 7 p.m., there a couple of people need to drive. Insurance is good. We've checked out on that. A couple of people need to drive to help get them from their place to here. Um, Thursdays starting in January, I would just send you to Dan Dickel. He's not here. I don't see him. He's like super tall. You would see him if you, if, if you knew, if he was here. Uh, but that is one of those things where that potential energy, all you got to do is be with people and read the Bible and be like, yeah, that's what it means. And then pray for them like crazy. Um, uh, Mary Schrader, I've got a list here. Mary Schrader, she is a research professor at the university and said, I think you got a hole here. Let me help out with the children's ministry. Research, press, research professors don't like put together crafts, you know, regularly. <laughs> and she does and she kills it. You're excellent. You have excellent crafts. And many other things as well. Uh, so uh, one of our elders, Troy Lyons, he, uh, he's all into this flood mitigation water stuff. He explained to me 89 times what he does, and it's still just so amazing to me. Uh, he's actually volunteered time to help with flood mitigation at Central Campus. As you know, there's a problem with flooding down there by the river, and he's helped out with that. He's used what he knows to help out. 
Uh, there have been, there have been uh, some people who have you know, asked to be unnamed that have actually volunteered time where we would pay this person to do something, and they have said, yeah, I don't want to do that. I will do a staff position for you in, in a couple different areas here. And they said, but don't worry about it. We want to save some money. So rather than give, they're helping us on the expense side. Um, We've got deacons. I think, I think Brian Kakarinski, good night. That guy does a ton up here. Um, and uh, Jared Snell uh, is another one that I, that I know stepped up in this. I think Clint jumped in on it. Uh, we, we, they creatively thought, we spent a whole bunch of money on our HVAC services. Why don't we just do that? So then Steph and Jim got together, and they have a way to order filters, and now our deacons are our service guys for our HVAC. Well, that was easy. You change a filter at home. Wait, I could do this, and it would save... This is creative. This is wonderful use of this potential energy that said that we may, maybe didn't even know it was there. And, I, and that's what I'm saying is I think this preparedness and this readiness is not so much building up your wealth, but I think it's putting the time into actually seeing what is your wealth. You, you, you're probably sitting on a, on a load of stuff that you could help out with, uh, not just to make this church better, and that'll be our third point, but to to advance the kingdom. Here are a couple of other things. Uh, if you've prayed, if you find prayer meaningful, we would love to have a prayer team. I think oftentimes you'll hear me in the service today say, hey, if you, if you, if you need to talk through some stuff or you need some prayer, come find me in the foyer. You've probably heard me say that, right? A lot of us can pray. I'm not the only one that knows how to pray. And so we'd love to start this up here in, this, in, in 2020 to have a prayer team. Uh, to have people that are available for any kind of prayer that need you, because I'm not always available there, nor is it helpful for one person to be praying for everyone. Um, and so if that's something that you would be interested in, being available, kind of on a regularly scheduled thing to help with prayer after services, uh, connect card, just write it in there, and we will follow up with you. Uh, other things, um, communion servers. We, we, we always are, are looking for those, and it is one of the most meaningful, unexpected, unexpectedly meaningful th- ways that you can serve. It is incredible to tell people the body of Christ broken for you that many times over. You have to experience it. Uh, readers, we want people to read the Bible before the sermons. Uh, that is uh, such a, a wonderful thing. When it's done well, which I don't always do well, um, it is so life-giving. And so if that's something, that, that just reading the Bible on the microphone before we start the sermon is something that, that, that would be something you could do uh, or want to do, write it on your connect card. Let us know. Uh, what's another one here? I got another one and then... Uh, and we'll go, oh, the other one was, you got to help out with Dan. This is such, a, such a, a, a ripe ministry here. People that are wondering what's going on with life, they're at a spot where they're asking questions. I just open up the Bible and reading. And if you've ever done that with Dan, man, that guy is so relatable and so passionate and so loving. It's a wonderful experience, even if you just sit under his teaching. Uh, it's, it's a wonderful experience. Um, and so I want to continue on here. Our sufficiency has potential energy, but here's the big point. Here's the big swing in verse 10. Our sufficiency is made possible only by God's provision. It's not something that we do. It is only by God's provision. Verse 10, he who supplies, there it is, he who supplies will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and will increase your harvest of righteousness. Oh, that's so good. He will do this. I think we're in a time in culture, in American culture, an American church culture where we think that the multiplying of seed and the increase of our harvest is our bank account. That is not what he's talking about. It may be, but there's so much more. When you practice community, you'll find your community is multiplied. When you practice hospitality, you'll find that your home becomes something more than what you thought it was before. 
There's a way that God multiplies that may not actually end up on the bottom line. So confidently supplied, we are as worthy before God. We then use the supply of God's graces in our everyday life. Even if you're generally a busy person with little time or attention, even this week, even today, you have a supply of something. There's potential energy, and you can use that today. Think creatively. Think, what do I have that I can give others? Where can you use your supply this week to promote Jesus Christ? Point three, thankful giver. We've got ready givers. We've got supplied givers. And now the whole point here goes to uh, ready givers. Second Corinthians Second uh, Corinthians 9, verses 11 through 15. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the need of the saints, but the ministry of the service is also the overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of the service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for the others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you, and then he ends, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. There are a couple parts here in this. Uh, in verse 11, he says, you will be enriched in every way. Paul is speaking to the Corinthians. Uh, in 2 Corinthians 8, he's already told them, but, you, but as you excel in everything, see that you excel also in this act of grace. When I look out here every week, I see a very capable people. I see a very gifted people. I see a, very, uh, a, a people who excel in everything. It's kind of just the nature of where we live. It's the nature of being in a, in, a, in, a, in a college town. It's the nature of being with people who are thoughtful. And it's a joy to look out and see that. And it's also a joy to see that Paul says to people like you and I, see that you excel in this act of grace also. Don't just stay here to advance your career or your academics or your bank account. You're not just passing through. This is also a place that God has given you opportunities to use that energy. He says, you will be enriched every way. At the end of verse 11, he says, to be generous in every way. There's a parallel there for a reason. You're enriched in every way to be generous in every way. Verse 12, for the ministry of this service is also overflowing in many thanksgiving. The whole point of this moves to a thanksgiving of God. They will, the saints will glorify God because you have done this thing. You have matched your desire to give with your completing it also. I think one of the easiest ways, this is just a, a, to put it in your mind, is that you are not uh, the administrator of God's gifts. You are a conduit for God's gifts. The electricity flows through the conduit, and God's grace flows through you. You interrupt this, you're broken, you need repaired or replaced, or whatever you would be, I don't want to chase it too far. If you are interrupting that flow of electricity, conduit is around the wire and it goes. You are the conduit of God's grace. If you just think that, it's really helpful to say, thank you, God, 
where's this going? <laughs> and just passes right through there. And you'll find that the blessing happens more than when you stop and receive it, but when you actually send it along. When you send it along, that's where the blessing happens. So, just want to look at a couple of things here that we've, that we've talked about. This, this text brings up several things, very practical things. In your readiness, in your preparedness, take time to figure out what it is. What is God gifting you with? What has he gifted you with? What are you sitting on? Where is your hill of potential energy? Where can you go? Where are the outlets for that to be used? If you don't, if you don't see it, start looking. Pray for eyes that can see the opportunity. Pray for God to challenge you to give more than you think because oftentimes we actually have what we, what we can give. We just don't want to give that much, so we say we don't have that much. Pray that he recalibrate your mind to that one of generosity. Uh, be supplied. In your supply, know that there are two different ways of talking about the supply. You can give confidently because this isn't an act of salvation. You're giving out of gratitude, out of response to what Christ does. But if you have faith... No matter what you give, no matter what you do, it's just a thing you do. But you are saved and you're secured in Christ. And then you go and look and you thank God for the, the, the gifts he has given you. That you may abound in every good work. Always moving this to a thankfulness in Christ Jesus. Thankfully redirect your praises to God. When someone says, man, you're at the top of your game. You're an excellent, whatever your profession is. You can say, rightly rooted in Christ, praise God. It's not me. He gave me pulpit. He gave me some words and some thoughts, and I think it went okay. Praise God that it was awesome. He gave me some tools in an operating room and some education. That surgery went really well. It saved a life. Praise God that he allowed that to happen. And you can put it in here. This kid totally took a turn in the, in the classroom because of something that I said or did. It wasn't me. I was just there. Praise God that God orchestrated this. Always turning your success to the true originator of that success, God. So I'll end here with the same verse that we started with. Hopefully it has a little more, uh, a little more punch, a little more meaning than the first time we went through. 1 Corinthians 1.4. This will close us. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given to you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are a God who gives, that you are a God who gives life, that you are a God who gives gifts, that you are a God who gives skills, that you are a God who gives opportunity. We pray that you would convict us of our never-ending desire to only receive your gifts. We want to see the blessing. We want to be able to measure the blessing. We want to build a, uh, an empire upon the blessings you have given us. 
Help break that down. Help us be kingdom agents that take those blessings and send them out to the nations. Give us practical wisdom to see that in our everyday lives, to hear when people need help, to creatively think of what we have in ways we may not have, and to release those back to you for your use. I pray that in all of our, uh, our exchanging of our, of our resources and our giving and our receiving, I pray that, that your name be, uh, be exalted above all, that people come to saving faith because they say, wow, those Christians, that's something different. They have a confidence in something far beyond what they possess. Thank you for that. It's so humbling, but it's so wonderful. It is the way of peace, and we thank you for it.